The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz, predictive analytics. couple of questions. How did IBM's Watson computer beat out the mints of folks on TV's Jeopardy? Hmm. How did Obama's 2012 campaign influence just the right voters to tip the balance so he could have a second term? Hmm. Let's get down to a little more mundane, everyday level. How does Target, or people in my neighborhood call it Target, how does Target know your family size and when you're about to increase the number of members in your family? That's a good one. And how can, for those of you singles out there, how can Match.com help to pick your next mate? If you were that smart, think what you could do for your company's bottom line. I have a panel of experts today who are going to help us figure this out. First up will be John Elder from Elder Research, and he says... Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. That's from John 12:24, Biblical quote. First time on our Game Changer show we've had a quote from the Bible. John will be on in just a few minutes to tell us what that has to do with predictive analytics. Joining us today, a return guest, always delighted to have her on board. Greta Roberts from Talent Analytics, and she says, this is a conundrum, in 1995, a 28-year-old rogue trader lost $1.4 billion, that's billion with a B, and killed the 230-year-old Barings Bank. Can't wait to get that history lesson from Greta Roberts. Also joining us is author Eric Siegel of Predictive Analytics World, and he says, predicting human behavior combats financial risk, fortifies health care, conquers spam, toughens crime fighting, and boosts sales. That's a mouthful from Eric Siegel. He's going to explain in a few minutes. And rounding out our panel is Henner Schliebs from SAP, also a return guest. Henner says finance has to deliver on the new normal. Top and bottom line support through finance analytics. Wow, what great, great quotes from our panel today. So join us for the next hour for... The new CFO Agenda 3.0, tying predictive to financial performance. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Can't believe this is episode number 10 in our 13-week mini-series. Time is flying by. So let me tell you a little bit about my panel after I have a little something to offer our Game Changer listeners. Hey, your vast volumes of business data demand instant access and timely, insightful analysis. Well, that's what we're talking about today. SAP HANA to the rescue. Go to our page on the business channel. Click 
click any banner and you'll go to a page with all kinds of free information, including a free value calculator. Take a few minutes, check it out with our compliments. Now, let me tell you who's on the panel today. This is a wow panel. John Elder leads Elder Research, America's largest and most experienced data mining consultancy. They were founded in 1995, and they have offices in Charlottesville, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. Elder Research has solved projects in a huge variety of areas of mining data, text, and links. John Elder, welcome. How are you today? Doing great. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Where are you calling from? I am in Washington, D.C. today, taking a break between teaching a course at the Department of Labor. Wonderful. Well, I'm glad they gave you a break. We appreciate your time. And joining us also is Greta Roberts, one of our favorites here on SAP Game Changers Radio. Greta is the CEO of Talent Analytics Corp. She's a faculty member at the International Institute for Analytics. Greta has 20 or more, a lot of more years, working for world-class technology innovators like Lotus, Netscape, Webline, Cisco, and Open Ratings. Welcome back, Greta Roberts. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Bonnie. Happy to be here. I think you just called me old. Uh, no, I just said you had more than 20 years of experience. Like I do, Greta, we have to be proud of our stripes. We Absolutely. really do. I was just watching a video from, Malcolm was kind enough to post a link to the video of you and Henner at Sapphire. We'll reference that later. Some great information. And anybody who wants to check our Twitter stream at hashtag SAP Radio can see this video and see the beautiful Greta and the handsome Henner. And moving on, thank you, Greta, we have Eric Siegel, Ph.D., founder of Predictive Analytics World and Text Analytics. Analytics world. He's the executive editor of the Predictive Analytics Times, and if that isn't enough, Eric is also the author of a greatly titled book called Predictive Analytics, The Power to Predict Who Will Click, Buy, Lie, or Die. Ooh, that's almost frightening. He's a former Columbia University professor who sang to his students. Eric Siegel, so happy to welcome you to Game Changers Radio. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Bonnie. Wonderful. And you're joining us by the magic of Skype, and we're happy to have you on board. Thank you so much for taking time. I know you're a busy guy. Lots of book reviews and book interviews going on, so thank you, Eric. And rounding out the panel is our friend here on Game Changers Radio, Henner Schliebs from SAP. He's a senior director for analytics product marketing. With over 12 years of analytics experience, Henner is responsible for driving adoption of analytics solutions from SAP across all departments. That's outside IT, focusing on finance, HR, and operations. Operations, and he's a strong proponent of tearing down silos. How are you today, Henner? I'm doing great, Bonnie. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful, and happy to see you and Greta on the video from Sapphire. really appreciate that. Again, a reminder to our listeners, you can go to hashtag SAP Radio and look down the stream, and you'll see Henner and Greta interviewing on at Sapphire. Okay, let's take a deep dive into our opening and find out what these quotes really, really mean. John Elder, Elder Research, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. John 12, 24. What's the biblical reference? What's the relationship to predictive analytics? John Elder. Thanks for asking, Bonnie. Well, biblically, mm-hmm. Jesus was talking about the inevitability and uh actually benefit of his death and resurrection. So that's a pivot point in history for believers. But you know, there are little truths hidden in, in big truths. And, and the little truth here is that we're ultimately valuable to the degree that we forget ourselves and we serve others, and our clients, our employees, our colleagues, and our communities. And uh, data mining is so exciting, and predictive analytics is so exciting because it enables us to be effective 
to use information to make appropriate decisions and gain efficiency and uh, and it just everybody's happy to see you coming you know you, you're able to help them solve some of their most vexing problems and it's a delightful field to be in that's you know that's the first time I've heard anybody use the word delightful paired with something technical like analytics in a long long time and I'm happy to hear a human comment in there John thank you for explaining the quote and thank you for giving us something really to look forward to Greta Greta Roberts in 1995 a 28-year-old rogue trader lost 1.4 billion dollars and killed Bearings Bank which was 230 years old what is this all about Greta Roberts well, yeah, um, you know, we're talking about the new CFO agenda and tying predictive uh, analysis to financial performance, and I think a lot of times people don't, you know, think about kind of that human touch, and clearly the trader, the rogue trader, was a uh, was an employee, and I, get, I really wanted to make the, the uh, point that employees directly affect business performance, um, financial performance, it's a direct connection. And yes, this is an extreme example, but I think it just brilliantly highlights the link between employees and direct financial performance. And, you know, I would imagine if you'd go to the CFO of Barings Bank and the other executive team and they could look back, you know, how much money would they have paid to be able to predict um, employee behavior, raise concern, and prevent it. So um, that's the point of the quote. Very, very interesting. Thank you. And I know you're a firm believer, Greta, that HR isn't just uh, an organization in the organization that hires people, but those people have a direct impact on all aspects of the business. They're not just assets. They're people who do do impact how the company does. So we'll be talking to you more about the role of – we'll get a little bit into HR. I think you can bring that segue in for us. Yep. Eric Siegel, Predictive Analytics World, a great quote, predicting human behavior – Combats, that's the key word, combats financial risk. It fortifies health care, conquers spam, got to hear about that one, toughens crime fighting, I got to put my cape on, and boosts sales. Talk to me, Eric Siegel. This is a huge statement. What are we talking about here? Well, you know, that's all about the value of prediction and how it serves organizations. So I'll up the ante on John Elders saying that it's delightful to be in predictive analytics. It's also awesome, fun, and exciting. I, I like to use hyperbolic words as well. Um, John's actually the, John's the subject of the first chapter of my book because he invested all his own money in a stock market prediction system of his own design. Um, you know, all of those different ways in which it helps comes, you know, people are so excited about big data, how much data there is, and the actual value of the data comes in learning from it how to mm -hmm. predict because all of those predictions of human behavior directly drive and improve operational decisions across those realms of marketing, credit risk, fraud detection, um, uh, presidential campaigns, as you mentioned, healthcare, mm -hmm. law enforcement, et cetera. Eric, what can I tell you? Eric, I have one question before we ask Kendra to talk about his quote. You say that predictive can help conquer spam. Tell me about that. Everybody's dying to know how do we get rid of it. What's that got to do with predictive? You know, you, can, you predict good things like sales to try to boost sales. You also predict bad things in order to try to avoid them, such as crime and specifically spam, also fraud. Um, you know, that's how spam filters work. They look at an email and they say, what are the chances this is spam? Should we quarantine it into a spam folder? So it's, predict it's putting a predictive score on an individual item, such as an individual email or an individual customer. 
Very interesting. Okay, we'll do a little more drill down into that later. Thank you. And Henner Schliebs from SAP says, finance has to deliver on the new normal, top and bottom line support through finance analytics. Talk to me, Henner. Yes, so we're, we're looking into a relatively new situation that the finance organization in the form of the office of the CFO right now also has to support revenues, right? Uh, cost, the cost side of the house is pretty old and uh, historically seen as one of the challenges, but the actual channel challenge is really be the holder of the uh, holy grail of information and provide information intelligence back into, into the business and support revenues as well. And I'm so happy to have the panel here um, because uh, everybody is speaking the same voice, like um, um, tearing down the silos because finance is not an individual um, uh, discipline. It has to affect the whole organization and the human beings of that organization. So we see in a recent study of the Human Capital Management Institute as well, Jeff Higgins, the CEO, um, comes up with a white paper where it says stock price prediction is uh, able to be based on a couple of human capital um, indicators. And this, this is where it all comes together, right? Finance holds the information around these human capital indicators, and we can be able to predict the stock price of our own company. And, Wonderful. Uh, it's very exciting. Thank you, Henner. We've heard awesome. We've heard wonderful. We've heard exciting. We've heard delightful. I think everybody should really get on board the concept of predictive analytics. We're tying it today together with financial performance. What's more important to your company? Hey, it's all about the bottom line. That's life in the fast lane. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. We're coming to you live. Today is Tuesday, June 4th. Where is the year going? Don't even think of touching that dial, that app, that mouse. How However you're listening to us, we'll be gone for about one minute. I can predict that with great confidence. And we'll come back with a lot more from John Elder, Greta Roberts, Eric Siegel, and Henner Schliebs. Don't even think of going away. We'll be right back. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. 
And now it's time for our What's in Your Cup segment. So let's just go right down the line. John Elder, Elder Research, what are you drinking today? Well, I've got something that we affectionately call swamp water. It's a green uh, <laughs> a green meal in a cup that apparently has a main ingredient of kale in it, but lots of fruit and yogurt and lovingly made by my wife for my good. Well, wow, that's a good one. We've never had swamp water on the show before. When you said green, I got scared, but I have a dear friend who adores kale in all its forms. He'll eat it raw, he'll cook it, he'll steam it, he'll do everything. I still have not become a big fan, but I'm glad to hear you and your wife have agreed kale is healthy and good for you. So more power to you and your swamp water, John. Greta Roberts, what are you drinking today? Well, I'm also a big kale fan, but it is uh, not in my cup. And I'm actually going to talk about what was in my coffee cup last night, uh, which was Old Smoky Cherry Moonshine. And um, I would highly recommend it in small doses, perhaps, but um, I, I thought it was very interesting. I think there's a renewal of people's interest in moonshine, and so just had to taste it. And um, there you go. Greta, I have to ask you, For we may have some younger listeners, please forgive me for that, Greta, younger than you and me and everybody else on the panel, maybe not younger than Henner, who have no idea what moonshine is. Excuse me. Could you explain just for a moment, please? Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I'm the good person to answer this, but I think the, as I understand it, back in the whatever day, it was uh, moonshine was what was made in people's garages and, and that sort of thing when it was not... Um, legal to be uh, selling um, alcohol, but I think a lot of the larger um, alcohol uh, uh, companies these days are making moonshine as well, and that's actually where this came from. This was I forget who the uh, brand was, but it was made by a large alcohol manufacturer, so this was not from a basement somewhere. Thank you. I think it used to be called bathtub gin, and that's the era of prohibition in the U.S. Yes, way back in the day, way before us. Eric Eric Siegel, what are you drinking today? Tell us something really fun. Well, you know, it's not so much the quality, but it's the quantity. The size of my cup has grown so enormously. (laughs) You know, I used to be like John Elder. I used to drink the smoothies, and I wouldn't only drink... The caffeine when we when it comes to a conference presentation or a radio show like like yours, uh, I think it was writing this book which I spent most of 2012 on the predictive analytics book. You know, doing predictive analytics takes a fair amount of energy. Turns out writing about it. So I'm now officially I'm here to, to say my name is Eric and I'm a caffeineaholic. <laughs> Step right up. This is a, a CA coffee and coffee drinkers anonymous. Thank you, Eric. Not so anonymous anymore. And Henner Schliebs, SAP. What are you drinking today, Henner? I'm not writing a book, but I'm having a triple espresso right here. So last time I talked about my personal coffee dealer, who was a colleague in Palo Alto. But I've moved away and figured out whenever he's sending his espresso beans uh, over to Texas. The price would exceed the cat poop coffee that is the highest priced coffee. Kopi <laughs> Luwak, uh, fifteen dollars an ounce, and uh, wow. shipment within the U.S. is relatively expensive. So I'm on Starbucks right now. Mm. <laughs> that was a long way around doing a plug for Starbucks. And I have to tell you that Malcolm says he's Malcolm Kimberly, my co-producer and tweeter extraordinaire. Malcolm says he's still in the honeymoon phase with Phil's Coffee. Those of you who are uninitiated, it's mm. P-H-I-L-Z. And he said they brew single cups per order. Very nice. You all know Malcolm is a big Equator Coffees fan and no more. It looks like he's on a honeymoon with Phil. So there you go. And as for me, Bonnie D. Graham, they don't let me have caffeine on show days. Wonder why that was
was a great coffee segment, by the way, everyone. Thank you for the stories. This is great. Okay, now it's time to buckle down and let's talk about, let's enter the roundtable phase here on Financial Excellence with Game Changers. John Elder, I have a great quote from some of your talking points you sent me before the show. This is a very provocative statement, then we'll dig in. You say, humans and computers are both astonishingly flawed in making good decisions. And then we're talking about data mining. You say the business risk is three times more than the technical risk. Can you marry these two statements together and kick us off, please, John Elder? Yes. Well, you know, computers are fast, uh, wonderfully obedient, but incredibly dim-witted. They don't have any common sense, no creativity. And humans, we have too much of it. We see bunnies in the clouds. We look at the cloud, we always see something, (laughs) whether it's there or not. And uh, we we need each other, but we don't quite cover the whole the whole base. So we, I think, a great book out there by uh, Nobel Prize winning economist uh, Thomas Kahneman is Thinking Fast and Slow, and it talks about all the mental uh, ways that's really hard for us to think rationally about problems, and it's it's really enlightening. It's also kind of depressing, but it does mean that being an analyst that's that's basing decisions on data and not on your gut is something that's hard and unnatural, and that's why some of us are kind of weird, I think. But anyway, uh, we uh, we need to harness those uh, talents and use them for the best. And then as to your second point, the the business risk, you know, the technical risk is not great. Data mining has been recognized in predictive analytics as a, as a very productive and useful thing for a decade now. Uh, 90% of the time when we address a problem, we nail it technically. It meets the design goals and on time and on budget. But only two-thirds of those successful projects actually get implemented. A third of them die for soft reasons, having to do with politics and budget and things like that that are kind of outside the technical realm. So we've realized that that's three times more a dangerous realm for seeing the bottom line than the actual technical risk. Very interesting. Thank you. And Greta Roberts, I want to bring you in here. And you told me that financial excellence, which is the point of our show, we're talking today about predictive analytics, but we're tying it to that bottom line. You say financial excellence requires a rigorous and objective review of all assets and liability, which could include talent assets and liabilities, which, of course, is what you do at Talent Analytics. Talk to me, Greta. How does this tie in with our conversation today? Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. Um, I guess I would change it to say this should include a rigorous and objective review of talent assets and liabilities. You know, from our perspective, and I think if you hear C-level executives, they always sort of describe how our employees are our most important asset. Um, but when people evaluate this asset, and I think John brings this up well, um, you know, you have people evaluating the performance of other people. And it's really difficult, let's say, as opposed to a person evaluating the performance of, you know, a particular stock or a particular kind of inventory or something else they're evaluating. So when we're evaluating the performance of another person, it's really difficult to be objective with the same rigor that they evaluate other organizational assets or liabilities, you know, if they choose to invest or, or not invest in those. You know, um, you know, they like the person, they know the person, they want to give the person another chance, even if it's not best for the organization. And so, um, to our, you know, the point that I wanted to make is that, you know, I, I'm not cruel. I like people as well as the next mm-hmm. person. I'm, I also am a person, 
<laughs> but I think in terms of, you know, what we're tr- really trying to discuss is that employees really are an asset and can be an asset, but also a liability to, a liability to the organization. And again, to John's point, I think putting some more rigor in there and some data mining around the people themselves um, can enhance a lot of the intuition that's being used today. Thank you, Greta. And Eric Siegel, of course, this ties right into your book. I have to repeat the title because I'm so intrigued. I love long book titles, and we all know, Eric, that today with the power of URLs, it seemed to go on forever and ever. You can include almost a paragraph in the URL, but yours is simply The Prediction Book. However, your title of your book is Predictive Analytics, The Power to Predict Who Will Click buy, lie, or die. That's powerful stuff. And you go on to say, Eric, that we have been predicted by companies, governments, law enforcement, hospitals, universities, and their computers are telling them, I knew you were going to do that. So how does this all tie into the bottom? You're scaring me, Eric. You're really scaring me. Uh, Maybe they knew what I was going to say when I welcomed you on the show today. I have no idea. But Eric, how does this all tie into the bottom line? We're talking about financial, financial performance today. How do you tie predictive to that bottom line well you know there's so many different sectors and and arenas where you're predicting all these different kinds that's that list click by lie die different kinds of actions verbs uh, things that people do and in terms of where there's really financial and business gain uh, the arenas really are in marketing credit risk fraud detection um, insurance um, these are really the main realms so what you're doing there is you're predicting who's going to buy click um, who's going to um, become a default on their credit card payment, commit an act of fraud, become a bad insurance risk. Um, by making these predictions, both the good and bad things can either be encouraged or averted, you know, basically by foreseeing them. These are going to drive the, all the specific operations, the millions of operational decisions that organizations in these sectors take in terms of how they interact with us, whether to contact us to expend a, a marketing investment, whether to extend a line of credit or credit card, um, whether to investigate our transactions for fraud, etc. So doing these things more effectively, more efficiently, has a mm-hmm. direct impact on the, on the bottom line by way of driving the, all these actions with per-person predictions. Thank you very much. And I have to bring in something very interesting here. Henner, I want you to join the party here. Henner's credo for 2013. I want everybody on the panel to react to this after Henner speaks. Everybody should be an analyst. And everybody should have the chance to make better decisions through analytics. But you also say analytics, advanced analytics, is not a Ph.D. discipline, at least not exclusively. Talk to me, Henner. Absolutely. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, mm-hmm. As, as Robert Kugel of Ventana Research puts it, predictive analytics is to support human judgment. And exactly this is what we're, we're aiming for, right? There's various disciplines within predictive analysis. Uh, coming back to the finance case, so you can use it either as, as an assessment tool to assess results uh, sooner and with, with greater certainty, but also it's, it's a tool for performance management for the whole corporation, right? And if you have um, only these highly sophisticated PhDs uh, in a room coming up with uh, complex models, this is not enough. They have to enable the normal people, the, the, the data analysts within each and every department, to um, work with the results as well as create simple models themselves in order to, to reach the broad masses within the organization, right? As, as mentioned, tearing down the silos means not only see this as a single discipline, 
spread it into the organization and make everybody uh, be, be uh, better positioned to, um, to make decisions based on facts rather than just uh, human judgment. Thank you very much. You know what? We're just about ready to take a break. I think what we're going to do is gather a little more, a couple more seconds we're going to save for the other side when we have a full 13-minute segment of Roundtable. When we come back, I want to ask Henner to start off with something he told me before the show. Henner, you said analytics is more than reporting. I think that's a really good basic starting point to talk about what are we really discussing here. You say it enables the finance experts to support margin growth, efficiency, sensitivity for cost effects. We have a lot more to discuss. So everybody, and you also say data scientists are the hidden here. That's something very provocative. We'll come back with. When we come back, we'll be talking in depth about our topic today, the new CFO Agenda 3.0, tying predictive analytics to financial performance. I have a phenomenal panel, so many years of expertise and points of view, and they're funny, too. John Elder from Elder Research, Greta Roberts from Talent Analytics, Eric Siegel, author and predictive analytics world, and Henner Schlieb from SAP. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio. We're live. It's Tuesday, June 4th. We'll be right back. Brad, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Here we are talking about predictive analytics tied to the bottom line, and that is financial performance. Going to kick this segment off with Henner Schlieb from SAP, and he says, data scientists are the hidden heroes, but analysts are the broad mass to transport financial intelligence to the corporation. Tell me what you mean by that, Henner, and then we'll work with the rest of the panel on the comments. Yeah, definitely. So to democratize analytics, we would need those uh, data scientists uh, coming up with intelligent models to uh, support the business functions. But also um, to reach the broad masses, they have to enable all of the departments um, um, to, to make better decisions and just cover the most complex contexts um, themselves. So in order to, to do so, they uh, whatever support processes of uh, receivables, aging processes to um, collect more, more cash from our customers, right, or to um, 
support processes in the collection process um, with our customers and figure out problems before they really occur in order to save some time. Okay, and you know what, John Elder, you have something along the same lines I want to ask you about. You say if you wait for perfect data or the perfect data warehouse, you'll never get started. Here's the key. Everybody's data is messy, but a good analyst can power through and find a pony in the room filled with blank, 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 ends with the letter T. (laughs) John Elder, talk to me, talking about good analysts. How do you define a good analyst? What are they doing with all this messy data? Yes, well, your your data is imperfect. problem we worked on 95 percent of the husbands were male that's good data i mean you like it to be 100 percent but you know every data is going to not have anymore that's right flaws in it. and uh you got to work with what you've got you got to make a salad out of the weeds in the yard and you can get stuff done that's the good news and uh yeah it takes a it takes curiosity and tenacity isaac asimov once said that the most exciting phrase in in science is not Eureka, I found it, but it's that's odd. And so the kind of folks that, you know, want that that notice something unusual and follow it, you know, tenaciously, that that's what's gonna to lead to success. I love it. I love it. Uh, Eric Siegel, uh, you made a statement to me. You said predictive analytics transcends human perception. Is that having anything to do with this messy data that John Elder was talking about, the human perception part? You know the human perception parts uh, a little bit off in the, in, the, in the other direction, just in terms of what it is we're trying to predict in the first place. And, and you know, so I could link it to what we're talking about here. You know, both Henner and John have basically been saying it can't just be a technical or analytical process. Somehow you've got to uh, make a connection between the people who speak math. Um, and speak data, and those people who are literally looking at the business and where the business value is. And in, in a, deciding how to make business value, you have to be very careful in, de, in, in defining what it is you're trying to predict. You know, and as we mentioned earlier, there's a whole bunch of verbs, a lot of actions that could be predicted about consumers and patients and, and suspects. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. One thing that we want to predict is who's going to be influenced. And that's, for example, what the Obama campaign did predict which individual voters were most prone to be influenced positively by a knock on the door or a phone call by um, a presidential campaign volunteer. So that, that, that question of predicting influence, that's not the same thing as predicting an action, like what direction you're going to vote. It's predicting can we change that action. So that's, that's sort of something that it, in a sense goes beyond perception because you can't see if you influenced a person. You know, if they voted for your candidate or they bought your product, did you influence them or were they going to do that anyway? So you can't mm-hmm. perceive it, but, but you can actually predict it analytically. So that's why I say in, in that sense it transcends the perceptions. Very interesting. And how does that how does that tie to our tying together of predictive with financial performance? Where is the messy data coming in, and and how much better can financial performance be if you really have the data scientists working in your organization who know how to get past the messiness and know what they're looking for, how to find it, and how to apply it? What is your what is your perspective from all of your your vast knowledge, Eric? You know the the way that you connect it to the to the uh, the performance, the value, mm-hmm. is is deciding exactly how to use the technology, which starts by deciding what am I predicting. Okay. So Let me jump in with an example. Yeah, John. please, John. Uh, well, a large government organization had a problem with fraud, 
and they had a lot of known examples, but the fraud was small, and their model that would kick out whether something was worthy of investigation was wrong 99 times out of 100. So mm. it's doing a pretty good job because fraud is even more rare than that, but still, you're investigating 100 things to find one. By using predictive analytics and building a better model, fully taking advantage of the experience of the good and bad examples, we were able to build a model that got 25 out of 100. So for the same amount of investigations, you're getting 25 times the return by using predictive analytics. Very very interesting and very productive, it sounds. Greta, I want to bring you in on this as well. You say most decisions about organizational assets, and of course you're with CEO of Talent Analytics, are based almost exclusively on their return to the business, ROI. But one notable exception is employee decisions. Talk to me, Greta. Yeah, well, I'm certainly um, a little bit of a broken record at this point, and it's um, I'm, I'm being kind of absolute because certainly there's a lot of feedback that people provide in terms of performance, and you know people are let go if if the the asset or the employee asset um, you know doesn't tend to work out. Um, but but I guess the first thing is, and it kind of gets to John what what John's talking about is you know if you are measuring a, a hundred things in order to get you know, inside about one, um, that's really sort of tracking performance. And I think one thing we need to do as an organization is to just get better at measuring performance to the business. And this includes performance of employees to the business as well. Um, in my mind, and it's just a point that I wanted to bring up, um, I think businesses spend too much time measuring, as an example, how satisfied an employee is and not enough time measuring how well an employee performs in a role. And it's you know, it, it's actually really gratifying to hear, um, you know, everybody here speaking about um, predicting of human behavior because, you know, that's really what we're doing, you know, especially at our firm, except that we've brought that inside of the organization instead of with customers. And so, you know, just the goal that I wanted to put out there or something for folks to think about is that, you know, maybe it's time to spend more time modeling effective uh, roles or optimizing in particular roles where employees have a greater probability of performing and then satisfaction is going to take care of themselves because, you know, employees are going to be in a role where, you know, greater probability of being successful, they feel more valued for really who they are, et cetera. Um, so uh, that's kind of what I meant uh, by the uh, by the topic. Thank you, Greta. I, I want to turn to John Elder, and I want to start a new conversation, a new thread here, John, if you will, work with me on this, talking about the trend, about organizations grasping predictive, grasping the opportunities, the the opportunities inherent in doing it better, and how this trend is moving ahead. You say industries seem to come to data mining, a.k.a. predictive analytics, in bunches. The herd doesn't wake up until an innovator using analytics starts to threaten them how? Well, what matters? Capturing new chunks of market share. So you put this question out to the world, John Elder. Why not be the first to use predictive analytics and get that lead? So talk to me, John. How is this trend taking hold? What types of industries, companies, SMEs, behemoths, startups? Who is getting on board that predictive bandwagon and saying, yes, we have to do it right from the start, or we've got to correct our course. Predictive is the answer. Talk to me, John Elder. Yeah, it, it's an exciting time for predictive analytics. With mm-hmm. Eric book and others that have popularized it and explained it and uh, it's a lot of attention around big data and so forth 
it wasn't always this way. <laughs> a lot of times we mm-hmm. had to you know, struggle. And there would be early adopters in the direct marketing or the credit scoring or, or insurance risk that would um, they have good ways of looking at data, but the predictive analytics provide better ways. And when someone would come in, I would, I would notice, because we work in lots of different fields, that a whole field would wake up at one, in one year to it. And, and finally, you, you find a pattern in it, and you realize that there was an innovative company, usually a smaller one that was uh, scrappy and hardworking, that would adopt predictive analytics, get an edge with their better models, better pricing mm-hmm. of things, and start to steal market share. And that would threaten and wake up everybody else who were happy to keep doing it the old way until that threat occurred. So the thought is, hey, why don't I get ahead of this and be the innovator, yeah. be the one that gets that lead and, uh, and, and go with it. It's a proven technology. Thank you. Eric Siegel, author of Predictive Analytics, The Power to Predict Who Will Click, Buy, Lie, or Die. You say perfect prediction is not possible. We know that. But putting odds on the future, lifting a bit of the fog off our hazy view of tomorrow, I love that picture image. Thank you, Eric, means pay dirt. So let's talk about that. Do you agree about the trend, about the herd mentality that John was just discussing? Uh, absolutely, you know, definitely the fact that it's trendy is, is helping push things along, um, and I think it also helps uh, with the credibility and, and the feasibility to, to understand that it's not necessarily about accuracy; it's about predicting better than guessing, significantly mm-hmm. better than guessing. Um, you know, so John gave the example instead of uh, you know increased twenty-five fold, but there's still a lot of 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 um, uh, cases there, transactions that turned out to not be fraud where they were still given to a human auditor uh, to take a look at. Um, so this is really where you're going to see that there's value despite the fact that data is messy, the world's messy, reality is messy. Um, if, but if you can predict better than guessing, you're, you're making operations that are already sort of a loss game, a numbers game. Mass mm-hmm. marketing, most of it's just junk mail. It gets thrown right in the, in the trash. But if you can make a multiple fold difference on that, uh, the bottom line um, absolutely explodes. Thank you. Great, great uh, perspective there. And, Henner, you're going to introduce – I'm going to read something you told me before the show. We're going to introduce a new word to this discussion about predictive and financial performance. I'm going to introduce a four-letter word, and it's sexy. And Henner says – we've had delightful, we've had awesome, we've had amazing, we've had wow. <laughs> Henner says nothing is as sexy as predictive finance. You'll be the one people want. You have to tell me what that means, Henner. Who's the sexy one? Is it you? Yeah, I, I'm hoping it's I'm not, not offending anybody. Credit says it's not Henner. I mean, sometimes you you don't even have a choice, right? A customer of ours, uh, it's a it's a big apple on the uh, East Coast. I'm not supposed to name it here. They are predicting, for example, where to send their people for uh, uh, collecting money from. Uh, um, citizens that are parking their cars wrongly, so Im- improving their city income, so to speak, right? Um, but, but others are able to um, uh, manage profitability strategically, as an example. So tearing down, again, the, the uh, silos between departments, because in a lot of cases there are sometimes conflicting objectives between departments with regards to their own uh, profit or cost objectives, right? And if you, if you see this holistically and make uh, a, a process available um, for managing profitability and uh, at the end um, the margins, you are sexy because the CEO loves you, um, the, the stockholders loves you, everybody loves you. 
Well, everybody wants to be loved at one point or another in their <laughs> life, and why not at work? Hey, we're, we're turning tables here. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Financial Excellence with Game Changers. We're talking about the new CFO Agenda 3.0, tying predictive analytics to financial performance, finding out a lot about the sexiness, the delight of predictive. How can you take messy data and make it useful to you, your department? Get rid of those silos. Talk about the whole bottom line of the bigger organization. We're talking with John Elder, Greta Roberts. Eric Siegel, Henner Schliebs. We'll be right back, and you know what time it is, boys and girls. It's time for Crystal Ball. What do my four esteemed panelists predict coming up on Predictive and Finance in the next five years? You don't want to miss this one. We'll be right back. Brad out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Yes, and here we are. Je pense donc je suis, and my instructions to my panel are take out the chamois, the polishing cloth, the banky, whatever you use, polish off that crystal ball, look as far ahead into the future as you can, and take me, if you can, at least to 2018. What will predictive analytics and financial performance, what will that marriage look like? Made in heaven, not so much. Will we be even using the same terminology in five years? John Elder, Elder Research, talk to me. What do you see in the future, John? Well, you're putting me on the spot because I try not to make decisions without data. And, of course, we don't have But, you know, you can sort of learn from futures of the past. I'm kind of a comic book science fiction fan, and it is hilarious when you look back at the predictions of, you know, ancient predictions of what the future would be like. And they, the, some key things they completely miss, if you're a fan of Isomov's Foundation Trilogy, they basically build a whole novel around data mining and predicting the future, and then the key uh, twist in it is where something completely unexpected occurs. So all of us have to be ready for the unexpected. But let's, but looking at the future, uh, something that has always been underestimated is kind of the miniaturization and the democratization, you know, spreading out of information and power and decisions and distributing it and not centralizing it. So I think one of the things that's going to come is, you know, sort of wearable data mining. You know, there's going to be there's going to be devices and things connected to things that will help us 
uh, I forgot my basketball shoes the other day at a pickup game. You know, if, if my calendar and my clothing were talking to each other, that wouldn't have happened. You know, so that's right. I see a lot of a lot of ways where it just becomes part of the fabric of our everyday life, uh, uh, even and beyond the the fun large scale things that we're doing now. John, will we still be calling it predictive analytics? Will it have another name, or will will it be so ingrained in how we do business for companies, every market, every part of the world, every size, shape of company, every industry? Will we be calling it predictive, or will it have another title? You think it's going to morph in five years? Yeah, I think it'll be it'll become natural and uh, lose some of its pizzazz, but that'll be a good thing because we. We really gain uh, uh, advantage, all of us, if we're using information in a rational way and not uh, wasting uh, effort uh, so much. And so I, I do think it'll it'll become uh, ubiquitous. Thank you very much, Greta Roberts, Talent Analytics. What do you see in that crystal ball, Greta? I'm asking you to predict predictive. Talk to me. I am predicting predictive here. And um, just to kind of go with what John said, um, uh, you know, in, in terms of watching patterns and certainly patterns in our business, you know, the most mature area of predictive analytics is, like Eric said, the prediction of human behavior. And what we've seen, and, you know, we've been in business about 12 years, is the march of predictive analytics from predicting customer analytics um, or customer behavior, which is, you know, mm-hmm. they're humans, um, inside the organization to predicting um, employee behavior as well. They're also humans, at least in most cases. Um, and so my prediction is that this is just going to continue. I mean, we're seeing it now. I think it's going to be kind of a de facto standard. Um, people are an asset, and, and these models can be optimized um, for performance, even to the point of predicting top-performing data scientists, which we're also doing today. So that's kind of a fun one of playing back and forth of using prediction for predictors. So that's my um, prediction. Thank you very much, Greta. Eric Siegel, author and predictive analytics world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I predict you're going to be at least on your second book, if not your third in that sequence in 2018. What would you like to predict, Eric Siegel? Right. So in the crystal ball is a crystal ball. It's the, this is about the future of prediction. You know, I, 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 as far as it becoming ubiquitous, um, I think completing your MBA uh, will require at least one full semester course on predictive analytics. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the commercial deployment of the technology, it's, it's mm-hmm. going to become that much more um, uh, apparent and transparent to all of us as end consumers. So if today everyone um, is being affected by prediction at least a few times a day, although you're largely not aware of it, um, it'll that'll multiply at least a few or several times over, and a few of those instances each day, you'll actually be be explicitly aware of it. I, I have to mention that the afterword of my book, Predictive Analytics, is entitled 10 Predictions for the First Hour of 2020. And and just briefly, I, I outline, yes. um, you know, all the things that happen in your car ride to work as far as um, sort of the entertainment options and recommending where to get your breakfast, the social networking, everything's connected to your car, to your, to your cell phone, right, your smartphone, Internet search, but also things that apply to the car. So the car is predicting a collision and it will vibrate your seat and other types of collision avoidance, reliability as far as the engine predicting that, you know, you better go to the gas station because something 
something's going to break down, this kind of thing. Um, so that's just inside the car. There's so many places the stuff's um, going to affect us, and we're going to be that much more aware of it just as end consumers, let alone businesses. Eric, I want to read one more thing you sent me. Uh, very interesting. I'll, I'll quote you here. A truly omnipresent science. Predictive analytics affects everyone every day. Although largely unseen, it drives millions of decisions determining whom to call, mail, investigate, incarcerate, set up on a date, or medicate. That's powerful stuff, Eric. You meant all of that, didn't you? I did, you know, just by rhyming, it, it, it maybe helps it resound a bit more. I appreciate you reading the quote. Thank you, and and it's it's interesting, it's enlightening, it's scary, and, and I'm going to have, I think we'll have time for a bonus question to everybody is, what if you don't want to be predicted? What do you do to hide? But we'll see if we have time for that one. I think we've already talked about the DNA of our upcoming data scientists in the future. Henner, I didn't forget you, my dear. Henner, what do you see in the crystal ball? Can you talk to me through 2018, or what's your time frame? Yeah, it's uh, yeah 2018-2020, so completely uh, back up what uh, Eric is t- talking about in his book. We all will have a better life. You go into a shop, you get the best price available because the CFO is the new CIO, and I don't mean CIO with uh, um, information, I mean with intelligence. Uh, all mm-hmm. information, big data topics are running through the books sooner or later, so the CFO organization is the... Holder of the Holy Grail, I mentioned it in the beginning, he puts the business value out of the big data and he will make available every data set to uh, respective organizations within uh, the enterprise. Um, Coming from price optimization, as I just said uh, to you, you enter a shop and uh, the clerk will say, hey, Bonnie, uh, I I know you want to buy these pair of shoes and this is the best price you can get. 20% 20% of the sticker price, and uh, will make your life way easier. Oh, damn. Okay, thank you, Heather. Question to the panel. I give you each about 15 seconds. Will it be possible to what we used to call you can't run, you can't hide? Will we ever be able to run or hide from predictive analytics if we're a participant in our society, if we tweet, if we have an email address, if we, if we collect cookies when we're doing Internet searches, if we have an email address? Talk to me. Uh, John Elder, quickly first. Will, be, will anybody ever be able to escape the tentacles, good or bad or ugly, of predictive going forward quickly to a certain extent no you leave footprints where you where you go and uh and yet good companies will find ways to be friendly to their customers and not get bad will so they'll 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 find a middle ground thank you greta yes no can we hide or run or do we want to give you 10 seconds go i don't think we can hide but i'm a great believer in things regulating themselves and so we might step over that line and then i think people will pull it back so i think it'll be okay i'm optimistic Thank you. Good. I like that optimism. Eric Siegel, yes, no. Can we run and hide? Should we bother? And generally, staying off the grid will always remain a fringe activity, but it's incumbent upon organizations to wield this new power to predict um, carefully because sometimes when you get predicted as far as whether you're pregnant, going to quit your job, or repeat a crime for sentencing decisions, these things are very sensitive, so it is something that's incumbent upon organizations to use ethically, and that's a difficult problem to solve. Ethics, word we didn't have of the rest of the show. Thank you for introducing that. Henner, give you 10 seconds, real fast. Yes, can yeah, we hide or run? Or... already left the station, and the good Thank guys you. will uh, uh, survive <laughs> the bad guys. 
I love it. I have my own predictions. Next week on Financial Excellence with Game Changers, integrated GRC, possible in our lifetime. There's a predictive topic for you. June 18th, what's driving the push for efficiency in financial disclosures? Hmm. Tomorrow, Wednesday, June 5th, great topic. You want to listen. Power to the patient, giving you, the consumer, your medical information when and where and how you need it via mobile. Yes, you own your own medical records. What a thought. And June 12th, HR on alert. Greta's going to listen to that one. Talent versus skills paradox, part two. Special thank you to my wonderful guests, John Elder, Greta Roberts, Eric Siegel, Henner Schliebs. Wonderful. I'm inviting you back. Shout-outs to Aaron Hughes, Malcolm Kimberlin, Michael Lortz. Henner, you get a shout-out, too, for helping put the panel together. And Mike Kennedy, our friend at Talent Analytics, as well as Brad, Jeff, Ryan, everybody at the Business Channel team. Okay, put on your seatbelt. It's time for my call to action. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another edition of Financial Excellence with Game Changers presented by SAP. Talk to you tomorrow on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week. Music.